Hello, and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. You know, the pandemic has changed life for us in so many ways. One of the biggest shifts is that we're doing so much more now online. Whether it's school, work, banking, shopping, online meetings, or medical appointments, we are all living in this new virtual world. And that can lead to online security threats, cyber attacks, and identity theft. So what's our first line of defense? You may be surprised to learn it's actually you and me. Here to explain that is cybersecurity and personal safety expert Pete Canavan. He's also host of the nationally syndicated radio show and podcast, Safety Talk. Welcome, Pete. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Robin. Glad to be on. Pete, in addition to keeping people safe online, you are also a fifth-degree black belt and master martial arts instructor. So you focus on personal safety as well as cyber safety. Just give us a little overview of your background. I've been in uh, information technology and running my own uh, consulting company since 1995. So in that time, you know, we've really only had to deal with viruses and some things like that. But, you know, obviously, as we all know, in the last five, 10 years, the cyber threats have just exploded. We have all these different things we have to worry about, you know, from phishing attacks to ransomware and malware and viruses and hacking and so many different things. And so I've always been involved in the, the online side of things and even more so over the last few years. And then uh, I've been training in instructing in the martial arts for about 22 years now and uh, a fifth degree master instructor in both Hapkido and Taekwondo. So I've been teaching people how to stay safe and secure offline as well. So I can do it in both the online That's world. That's incredible. And- do not mess with Pete. That's the bottom line. <laughs> do not mess with Pete. <laughs> so we're going to dig into all of this a little bit more. But you say that really the first line of defense comes from you and me. What do you mean by that? Well, I think a lot of people, they believe that when they see hacks and people who, for example, identity is stolen, that, you know, wow, it's terrible, but they don't think it's going to happen to them. And so they maybe don't learn as much about what things they can do to proactively protect themselves. Now, I I do believe that that is changing because, you know, we, we see it happening more and more. We see it in the news where, you know, not just businesses, but individuals are being targeted by all kinds of scams, whether it's the elderly, whether it's, you know, just phone calls coming at you, you know, at random or emails. And so it's very important that you have a very healthy dose of skepticism, I would say, when it comes to any sort of unsolicited communications that you receive and do your due diligence before you act on anything that uh, you are even the least, you know, even if it seems completely legit, it may not be. We tend to get in a comfort zone, don't we? Yes, because we have our routines, we have our, you know, comfort zone, we exist in this place where we do the same thing day in, day out, whether it's, you know, going to work or going to school or, you know, going to the store. And so that breeds a certain sense of complacency. And that it involves, you know, when you're online as well, you know, you go to the same place to check your email, you go to the same websites to shop, etc. And so when you don't have problems for a period of time, you don't expect there to be a problem. It's like, well, I did this yesterday, why would I have a problem today? Well, that's where their a problem comes in. You know, you, you may be too sort of uh, trusting or just not paying as much attention as you should to something that might be out of the ordinary had your sort of radar been a little right. bit more in tune to it. Yeah, it's not always so obvious. But once we say we accept the fact, okay, why not me? This could happen to me. What are some of the basics that we need to know to prevent cyber threats? We hear words such as malware, adware, phishing, identity theft, ransomware. Can you break those down a little bit more? And, and let us know what we should do to stay safe online? 
Sure. Probably the biggest threat of what you just mentioned are fishing attacks. And simply put, I mean, it's just like, you know, traditional fishing. You go out, you throw in a line in order and try and catch a fish. That's exactly what the cyber criminals are doing, except they're sending out thousands and thousands of fishing lines uh, with a pH instead of an S. pH, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to try to basically hook someone into believing the the message that they're sending out there. And it could be, you know, hey, you know, your Amazon package can't be delivered, you know, click here. Well, geez, everybody's ordering stuff from Amazon. So probably nine out of 10 people or eight out of 10 people they get that are going to say, oh, no, what's going on? You may not realize that it's not really going mm, to an Amazon. I probably site. would it's click on to... that. I probably would. So... A lot of people would. <laughs> well, how do you, what do you would. do? How do you how do you know if it's real or not? So you don't click the link. You you know you go online. You log into your account as normal if you are expecting a package and and do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, in the email message body, if you don't click on on any of the hyperlinks in there, but you simply hover over them with your mouse, chances are that link, for example, using you know our Amazon example, may not go to Amazon.com. It might go to you know, www.amazon.bogiscompany.com. Right. So it, if, you, if you just glance at it, it might have the word in it, but it, the actual domain may be boguscompany.com. Yes. So that holds true for pretty much anything that you're getting in email, whether it's, you know, notifications on, on shipments or orders or uh, insurance or so many different things that uh, these cyber criminals get so creative in trying to get us to, to click on something. Some people call it clickbait, right? Just like when you're fishing, you got bait. Well, it's clickbait. They're yes. trying to bait you into and clicking I, on I something. I have to admit, uh, about a couple years ago, I was sent something for brand name purses. And I was like, this is great. Clearance prices. It was a beautiful website. Great prices. Great stuff. I thought I'll buy a bunch of these pocketbooks as Christmas gifts. And I really, I had no idea until they actually sent me merchandise, believe it or not. But it wasn't the, it was like knockoff stuff. And I went back to the website and it was gone. And I couldn't believe (laughs) it. Thank goodness I used a credit card that help me out with that. They said, you're not responsible for this. It was fraud. And boy, I'll tell you, I learned my lesson. I really learned my lesson. You well, along, so those, along those yeah, along those lines, Robin, and you know, this, this may be a little bit more sophisticated for people, but one of the things you can do is if you do happen to go to a website that you're not familiar with the company and you're considering, for example, placing an order, well, it may be a secure website, you know, like old HTTPS and there's a lock on it. But one of the things that you can do is if you click on that lock up in the address bar, it's going to give you some options. And one of those options is to view the website's secure certificate. You can view the actual certificate with the date that that certificate was issued as well as when it expires. Well, if that certificate was just issued two weeks before you got the email, that should send up a red flag because it's like, wait a minute, this is a, and it only expires a year later. Well, that means that company has no intention of being around for a long time. Okay. So oh, little things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little things like that. Can't they um, can kind of maneuver to, that? Can't they fake that up and make it look like it's longer no. term? No, they can't. No. Okay. All no, right. if you've got a certificate, the issuing authority is providing that information. Okay, well, that's good. good to hear that. I also know someone, a friend of mine, who works in a business where the information is very important for them to have and suddenly went in to his office And none of his files were there and got an email or however they reached him and said, we have all your files. You want to 
get them back, you have to pay us X amount of dollars in Bitcoins. And first of all, he was like, what are Bitcoins? You know, he <laughs> didn't even know what that was. And apparently you can't trace Bitcoins or whatever it is. So he calls the authorities and he says, this happened to me. How can I fight this? And they said, oh, just pay it. We got hit too. The local law office, they got hit too. <laughs> So that's scary. Nobody should ever have to be in that, that uh, situation because if you are backing up your data religiously, uh, okay, on a daily basis or as often, what I tell my clients is as often as you would hate to lose it, if that's hourly, if it's daily, if it's weekly, back it up consistently because that way, if somehow the data is compromised, your system or your network is hacked and they, some ransomware gets in there and, and encrypts all your stuff, okay, so what? You wipe it, you go restore everything from a backup, and you're back in business. Well, he learned that, and now he's he's had to spend double to secure everything. Right. You know, I mean, of course, because that's important stuff to his business. I mean, cybersecurity plan development is one of the things that I do. And, you know, it's very important because just having that plan could save you potentially not just tens of thousands of dollars, but could save you from going out of business. And of course, number one is making sure your data is backed up, not just more than, you know, more than one place. And one of those places should definitely be an off-site facility. So if even your on-site backups are, are uh, compromised and encrypted, you still have a copy of data off-site with some off-site backup provider that would allow you to go back in time and retrieve that data. It's just couldn't be more important to do something like that. And the funny thing was they didn't ask him for thousands of dollars. They asked him for... I don't know, 600 and some weird amount of money, because I think they feel like if like just we can just get that easily from people, it's not going to kill people. They're just going to pay it. It will just hit all these small businesses and they'll just pay it. It won't be a big deal to them. I mean, nobody wants to pay money for something like that. But it wasn't like it was $30,000 where somebody might say, I can't do this. So I thought that was interesting that it wasn't this huge sum of money. But if they get a little bit from a lot of people, <laughs> they're, they're doing OK. If these folks put well, that amount of effort into a real job, they would be <laughs> they would be millionaires. Right. Well, unfortunately, it, it sort of legitimizes what they're doing because if people keep paying the cyber criminals, they're going to keep encrypting files. If everybody stopped paying them, there would be no business model and it would fall apart. Absolutely. The problem is when you've got sensitive business data or financial records or health records or things where you, you for whatever reason your backups are inaccessible or they're also compromised, you really don't have a choice. Otherwise, you go out of business or, you know, it could end up being life or death in the case of, uh, you know, like a hospital. Absolutely. And you bring that up. And recently, federal agencies warned that our healthcare system is facing, they use these words, an increase and imminent threat of cybercrime involving ransomware. That is so scary, especially as cases of COVID are going up once again. How can... They get into our hospital systems like that. You would think they'd be more secure. You know, where there's a will, there's a way, right? There's always a, a way that you can get in. There's always some area in a network that is weaker than others that, you know, hackers will will hammer on. And, you know, part of those are, you know, things like a lot of people have in their homes now, which are these internet wireless connected devices of convenience, right? We've got the ring doorbells and cameras and, you know, all of these devices in our home that are connected. Well, guess what? They do not have great security. So if somebody hacks into your Wi-Fi network through, say, your your new smart refrigerator, right? Because we've seen now these new fridges have like these big touch screens on them and they're internet connected. Um, you <laughs> know, basically get into your network, they can easily find out, okay, you know, what's what's the IP address of your router? Let's try the default passwords. Oh, look at this. This person, when they set that up, never changed the default password. Bam, they're in. 
And now they can do whatever they want to reroute traffic or to, you know, jump into try to hack into other devices on your network. And, and it becomes a, a big, big problem rather, rather quickly. I saw something online where a family had a security camera in their family room, basically watching them. And someone tapped into it and was actually watching this family in their home, which scared me a lot. I thought, mm, no, not for me. I, I, I don't think I, I need something like that. But that's how crazy it can get. Technology's wonderful, but there's always someone who will do something bad with it, who will find a way to harm us, and we need to protect ourselves. Two things you know, along that is, number one, obviously, always, always, always change the default passwords of any devices that you're, you're setting up or purchasing and connecting to your network. And then create a long password. I tell people make them at least 10 to 12 characters long because they become much tougher to crack. That way, if somebody is trying to crack a password, they get to eight characters, get to nine characters, they still haven't cracked it yet. It takes a lot of time and a lot of processing power to try to crack passwords once they get beyond about 12 characters. So make a phrase up, figure it out, you know, secure it somewhere where, you know, put it, put it in your phone, secure phone, put it in your computer in a secure file, whatever. And then take advantage of anything that offers that two-factor authentication. It's a little bit of a pain in the neck, but we all now are getting used to the fact that when you go to log in somewhere, it says, we just sent you a text message. That's mm-hmm. the code we just sent to you. Well, yeah, it's a pain in the neck, but guess what? That secondary token that's generated on the fly, you know, that sent via text or email, whatever, has to be ordered, you know, entered in order to continue to gain access. Well, if that is being utilized, that can't be hacked because unless that person knows exactly where it's going and also has access to that email account or that cell phone, they're, they're going to be thwarted at that point. That is a really great tip. And that does happen a lot more now that there's two-step verification. And it really, it what does it take you? Another 30 seconds, one minute to secure yourself. And it's important to do something like that. So that's a great tip as well. And when we make up a password, do we need to have any special characters? Does that make a difference? Does that help make it more secure? Longer is better than complex, necessarily. So would I say make your password, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? No. But <laughs> definitely intersperse capital letters, lowercase letters, and special characters in the in the password. So let's take an example. Like, like say you love black tea iced tea. Make your password black tea iced tea, but make the B and 8. And then maybe the whole word black, all in caps. And then the word T, make it, you know, 73A. And then ice T, all in lowercase. And in between the two words, put a couple of special characters. Oh, my God. That I way never you, remember it. Really... <laughs> you just said. Well, once you do it a couple of times, you would because it's right. a phrase. And when you, when you do that phrase and if you come up with your own sort of way of doing it, and, you know, with a couple of characters, maybe the first time, you know, you use the, the shift on the number one. And next uh-huh. time you change it, shift number two and then three and then four. You know, and you can easily make a note of that somewhere where without writing the whole password and say, change it on this day, character mm-hmm. is now a pound sign. Well, yeah. nobody's going to know what that means because they don't know the rest of your password. But you know, oh, yeah, that's right. I changed it. Now it's a pound sign, not a dollar sign. I do it with, uh, I'll kind of write out part of my password and write XXXXX. And I know what it is, but I ju- it just gives me a little hint on whatever the password is. Right. And you also should not have the same password for everything. Is that right? No. Um, and so people are always like, oh, my God, I can never remember those passwords. And so that's fine. Um, use a password manager program. Okay. Something like LastPass or iPass or one password. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a couple of ones. But can people break into those? That, I always think about that. What if they get yeah, into that? you got to make the password to get into your password manager very complex. Right, obviously. right. No, I mean, it, it makes it easier. Uh, it allows you to secure things and not have to remember a thousand passwords. The programs usually will even generate you secure passwords for, for new 
sites when you're going to them, so you don't even got to worry about generating. Yes, yeah, so that's another thing I was going to ask you. Is that a good thing to do? To, to when they give you, do you want to use this password? I never do it because I think, well, what if I forget it and it's somehow not saved in my system and I'll never be able to get back in? Is that smart to do? I think Google does save it for you. Uh, six one half does another. I mean, I for one never generate. Uh, use one of the you know the automatically generated passwords. I just make up my own because I've got my own method, and then I uh, I store them in a contact management program in my office, which is secured by password. So yes. you have to get into my password. You know, you have to get into my system, get into that program to get into my password. Or you know what? Take a notebook. Let's be old fashioned. They <laughs> can't they can't break into your notebook. Put it in a notebook. Sometimes you know, sometimes the old fashioned is easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just break that down and make it simple. Just put it. In in a notebook. Just don't put it under your keyboard. Yes, absolutely. Right. Hide it somewhere in your house. So what other some other tips, Pete, you do this for a living. What are some of the things that you see most commonly that people really need to be aware of? Well, I, I shouldn't need to say, but I will mention it. Obviously, you really should not use any open Wi-Fi connection. Uh, you know, you see Wi-Fi unsecured networks and you know, people are like, oh, I just want to jump on and check something. Or I just want to get my email. Just, yeah. Don't Hot do spots. it. Um, yeah, and, uh, and the other thing is, you know, take advantage of uh, VPNs, virtual private networks. They are simple to set up. You can put them on your phone. You can put them on your computer. They're either free or next to free, and they really add a, a much greater level of security. What does that actually Most mean? Most people now. So what that does is it basically makes an encrypted direct connection between a computer and a network or between two computers. And so... When you, you have to have the key that allows you to connect between the two. And if you don't have the key that allows you to connect, you can't decrypt the traffic. So you might be able to get into it, but you're not going to be able to read anything because it's all scrambled. So a lot of businesses, obviously, with a lot more people telecommuting and working from home, mm-hmm. a lot of businesses have set up VPNs for their employees. If they haven't, they should, because it's going to give them a, a much greater measure of protection against that connection. The downfall is, of course, if you're allowing someone to use their home computer or laptop or tablet or phone to connect your corporate network, you don't have full control over that device. So Mm -hmm. if that device is compromised, you could introduce that into your network. So you have to be very, very careful. And so you said don't use, you know, say hotspot. But I always thought as long as you're not, say, doing your banking at that time, then they cannot get into your banking. But they can get into anything that you have. If you're using well, hotspots, well, hotspots are fine. I'm talking about like open Wi-Fi networks. You know, you go somewhere, you donut shop or whatever, and there's an open Wi-Fi network. Don't use it. You just use oh, your cell phone. Oh, okay. Data. Don't use their. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Don't use theirs. You can use, say, your Xfinity hotspot because you're connected to that. Is that okay? Right, and you have to log into it, and so there's a certain measure of security there. Okay, but, but I mean, it's so easy to say. I mean, you could you could just you know on your phone, you know, whether you're on an iPhone or an Android, just go to the appropriate store, search for you know free VPN, and you're going to find a whole bunch of them. And they're super easy to install. Basically, you install it on the phone, and when you connect to something, you open that program up, just hit connect, and it'll create a secure connection to the internet. And uh, then you have an extra layer of security. That is a great tip because I always do that. If I'm in a diner or if wherever I am in a restaurant, I always use, I'll say, well, what's your passcode? And I always use theirs. Do it, but you can do it, but then start up the VPN program on the device that you're connecting to the network with. To protect yourself. Gotcha. Great tips, Pete. And you do this for a living. 
You help businesses and individuals. Tell us how you work with people. We basically work with uh, residential customers and corporate clients for, you know, anything that has to do really with their technology, whether it's, you know, problems with their systems or networks or whatnot. One of the big things we're doing now is setting up businesses with the cybersecurity business plans. My, uh, my personal website has information on that as well as links to different things that we do. Cyberbizplan.com that has free information. You, you know, if you're a business and you're looking, hey, how do I create a cybersecurity plan for my business? It's a great place to go to, to learn more. And from there, you can also link over and watch a webinar I have that goes into a lot more detail. And if at that point you, you want to try and do it yourself, great. Go, go have at it. If you need assistance, we have a full online course that can teach you how to do it in seven steps from uh, start to finish, starting with your corporate mission and vision all the way through to the final plan. My personal website is my name, PeteCanavan.com. I would suggest uh, people want to learn more information. They can download a cybersecurity checklist there. There's 22 things, uh, best practices for securing your network, applicable personal and professional. And there's also an infographic there on uh, cybersecurity. There's a lot of good information and statistics that just kind of sort of reiterates and uh, you know emphasizes the fact that some things are really important to understand. And uh, a lot of businesses have been victims of cyber attacks. They just don't even know it because they haven't been successful attacks. So it's important to understand some things and, you know, to have a competent network person, security person, cybersecurity consultant that can help you make sure that your either home network or your business network is as uh, secure as possible because as we see threats every single day happen. Absolutely. We need to protect ourselves. And I'll put links to your sites in the notes of this podcast so people can get more information Really helpful, Pete, especially with all of us doing so much more online these days. So thank you so much, Pete Canavan, cybersecurity expert. And thank you all for joining us for Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Please take a moment to sign up to get weekly notifications for this podcast and to connect with me on any of my social media, Living Well with Robin Stoloff. Learn more, live better. We'll see you next time. Until then, please stay safe and keep living well.